This is the Screaming Pods Network on ScreamingPods.com. And now, on with the program. Hey everybody, this is The Pilot Project. We're back again, and this time we're here to talk about the original pilot for Star Trek called The Cage, and it never went to air back in 1965. And we're talking about the original Star the Trek. Original. We know there's a thousand different yes. versions, but the, we're talking about the very original 1960s Star version. Trek, the original series from 1966 for most people, but this one came out in 1965, although it never made it to air until 1988, but we'll talk about that later. My name is Mark. I'm joined by my mirror universe, Spock. He has a lovely goatee, just like Spock, <laughs> and a page boy haircut, or whatever you called Spock's haircut. Exactly, yeah. Uh, that would be my old partner, it's Dustin. It's like a short, a short He-Man haircut. A short He-Man, yeah. yeah. A short He-Man. And we're joined by our favorite red shirt this week. That would be Aww. Travis the Viking from Low Player Count. Aww. Yes. Yeah. We're all break still the Viking. Buddy. I'm a still red Viking. shirt. Can, can, I, never... can I be a blue shirt? <laughs> Everybody else was in this show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there were only two divisions, apparently, on the original Enterprise. <laughs> Cashmere and blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Some, yeah. Cashmere. That's a good. Was yeah. the captain not gold? I thought he was gold. They were gold-ish. Not okay. as gold as they you would see the later um, with Kirk and the rest yeah. of the crew back when they also added red True. to the color yeah. scheme. Um, that was a good addition. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So let's let's get into it because guys, I want to declare right here, right up front, Captain Pike is probably the worst captain that the Enterprise has ever been. I was going to say, Captain Pike has failed. He is terrible. (laughs) And I never, like, I had seen this pilot several times before. You know, I grew up starting with Next Generation. That's where my Star Trek history started. And then I went back and watched the original series later. So I don't have the, outside of the movies, I watched the movies, you know, back in the 80s. But I don't have the great love for the original series that a lot of people that grew up with it did. Um, so I've only been through the original series a handful of times, mm-hmm. you know. I've never actually been through the original series. I've only watched Next Generation. That's the only Star Trek wow. series at all I've watched all the way through, actually. Why are you even here? <laughs> yeah. This is a, this is a Trek Because I've watched podcast. that in the movies. That's it. Because I, I have this much knowledge of it. And I'm kind of contractually obligated. That's to true. That's part of it. <laughs> it was part of your contract. Yeah. And we yeah. should note that, you know, Travis and I, I, I think we both consider ourselves Trekkies. Yes. Um, and, you know. My, my wife and I refer to each other as... As like she is, she is Spock and I am McCoy because she's the far more logical. Wait, one. you don't call her number one? No, no I don't. <laughs> so she's uh, she's the far more logical one, and yeah. I'm the far more emo- and I'm the far more emotional one. So, gotcha. Yeah, you're the you're the Doctor Bones. The quiet for sure. <laughs> quiet, <laughs> always whining. <laughs> right, exactly. No um, emotional, emotional. That's all. <laughs> so this came out, like I said, in 1965. Now NBC originally ordered this pilot in 1965, but for reasons we'll get into later, they didn't really like this first pilot. And there are, there's a plethora. We'll probably get into those reasons from we, the very probably beginning will. here. So this is not a pilot that anybody saw outside of black and white 16 millimeter footage up until around 87. Um, and then it came, it finally made it to air in 88 on VHS. It was directed by Robert Butler, who would direct other Star Trek stuff down the road. Written by, of course, Gene Roddenberry, the great bird of the galaxy himself, who's who created all of Star Trek and, was at the helm of Star Trek all the way up until his death in 80, 88, 89, maybe 80, somewhere in the Star Trek season two, right? 90, season three? Yeah, it was mid, mid, mid. Yeah. Cut this out. For, for better or for worse. <laughs> I don't have all the great Bird of the Galaxy facts at my disposal, unfortunately. Right. Um, 
but uh yeah he he wrote this story and he wrote uh most of the scripts up until season three of the original season of star trek in which he like he said peace out and uh he went yeah. to do other stuff uh, because nbc was screwing the show mm-hmm. uh now the imdb description might be of this episode might be the best one we've had yet on the show <laughs> and it is this is from a guy named patrick smiley face and uh, it says, quote, this is a good story. It is retold in the Menagerie parts one and two, comma, later in the stories. But in any case, we meet the original captain of the Enterprise, which is wrong, and a younger <laughs> Spock. Also, there is number one, who is a woman. Also, the lovely Vina. Please, I do not want to spoil it. Read the Menagerie to get the full story. I do not want to tell the same story twice. Patrick, smiley face. <laughs> well, <laughs> He's and very thorough. And that's something to bring up is that even though the general population didn't see this in its entirety whenever it came out in the 60s, um, it, it was, parts of it were reused for the Menagerie, yes. which was in a uh, two-part episode later on in, in the original Star Trek series. So people saw bits and pieces, and it's probably that moment where people were watching it going, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> what's this going? What is, what's wrong with Spock's eyebrows? You know, <laughs> right. those, those moments. And then, exactly. and then that's where that's where all that came from, right? So if you'd <laughs> never seen, um, if you had never seen the cage, obviously, right? So yeah. most people were just like, I don't know what's going on with this. Right. Mm-hmm. And they brought back for that episode um, the fake Captain Pike. They didn't bring back Jeffrey Hunter for the Menagerie, I believe, because in the Menagerie, the whole story is, it's a it's it's a flashback episode, but it's take it, it starts out in the present, present being the future, of course. Sure. Um, Captain Pike is in a a Professor X style wheelchair, hover wheelchair, hover chair. right? And he's all like disfigured from some attack. I, I don't Trapezoid. remember. Trapezoid. Hover trap. Yeah, it was a hover trapezoid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so it flashes back to this episode. It's a large retelling. That's an easy way to not have the same actor show up too. Is having being yeah. He was in heavy makeup. Yeah. Right. Um, so the cast for the show was Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Pike, and he was known for he'd had some early success in westerns and things like that. And he played a young Jesus, and they called him a teenage Jesus back in the day because apparently when he played Jesus at thirty three, and he was thirty three, he still looked like a teenager. Oh, okay. So they called him. Uh, uh, teenage Jesus or something. He looks like, that. like a guy from a '60s cowboy movie. Yeah, he has that air. That's how he ended his career too. Yeah. It was in westerns. <laughs> um, Leonard Nimoy, of course, played Mr. Spock, a smiling Spock, smiling whining Spock. Well, since you're mentioning Spock, I had a couple observations about him. One, Travis already remarked on his eyebrows were completely out of control. Yeah. And on top of that, why did he look like he had jaundice? Uh, I guess they hadn't really figured out that whole palette yet. And his haircut, he had bangs, too. Yeah, he did. It was, he had, good. it was good. And he yeah. smiled, and he whined a lot. His and his ears were especially terrible. I mean, they yeah. looked especially fake, but I expect that for 66, or 65. But they could have got the makeup a little bit better than, like, a, a failing liver-looking uh, <laughs> Spock, you know? Well, maybe he was having trouble acclimating to Earth food. <laughs> maybe so. Hadn't quite gotten the vitamin ratio down from Vulcan. <laughs> maybe um, his bile duct was clogged from uh, <laughs> yeah. eating the wrong improper foods, yes. <laughs> Uh, Major Barrett, uh, she played number one, uh, the, the first officer of the ship. The nameless number one. Nameless <clears throat> number one. We can one. get into this in a little bit. But yeah. The fact uh, that she had no she's name. a woman. She doesn't need a name. <laughs> she just needs to be number one. Saying. The fact that she's even on the bridge is an accomplishment in this show. <laughs> she's just there to have fantasies about the case. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And the you know she was, for those who don't know, she was um, married to Gene Roddenberry. Um, he had done a series with her previously called The Lieutenant, and he was she was the first character that he wrote for Star Trek. Uh, number Wild. one, so they were they got married in 1969, right as Star Trek was ending. But she was also the voice of Star Trek as the computer throughout okay. up until her death. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she played the computer. She was also Dan Troy's mom, and she played Nurse Chapel in the original series in the reboot after with the second pilot. 
Gotcha. So she just switched haircuts. She got right. long blonde hair in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Oliver, who's probably nobody's familiar with, she played uh, Vina, who was the oh, yeah. space babe in this one. Yeah. Uh, John Hoyt, uh, Dr. Philip Boyce, who would be later replaced by Bones, of course, right. a.k.a. Travis. Uh, Peter Kelly. Force Kelly, yeah. Peter Dorea uh, played Jose Tyler, who was that kind of spare helmsman or whatever. Yeah. And uh, Laurel Goodwin played Ewan Colt, who is... A very special character in this episode who <laughs> we'll get to later. Sure. Um, this starts, the episode takes place about, depending on your source, 11 to 15 years before Kirk. Okay. So it takes place in 2254. And we should note that according to Star Trek lore, I'm going to nerd out a little bit here. Even though people say Pike was the first captain, he wasn't the first captain. According to chronology, uh, Robert April was the first captain of the Enterprise. But okay. as was noted in the Star Trek animated series, also in the uh, early 70s, late 60s, something like that. Okay. Um, although there's debate about whether that's canon or not, but apparently he did appear in Star Trek Discovery, so I guess that makes him canon. He re- appeared uh, in a list of most decorated Starfleet officers, so I guess that makes it canon now. Oh, okay. Which I still haven't watched all Discovery. I've only seen one episode, only seen one episode. so far. All right, so yeah, it takes place way in the past, and the first thing we see, we can note this, is that as, as is tradition with Starfleet, the uniforms have changed. Of course, because with every Star Trek iteration, everybody has to get a new uniform because, you know, in the military, in our military, we're always changing uniforms right. every 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, they favor they favor space turtlenecks in this era <laughs> of... Uh, they sure do. They, and, and I would and, say... And not as many colors as we know. Not as many colors. Only yeah. two divisions. There, there is cashmere gold and there is blue. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess gold is command as it would right. be with the Kirk pilots. Sure. Blue is everybody else. Right. I guess. No red shirts yet. Yeah. No red shirts, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, whether you're sciences or you're engineering or you're in security. You're blue. Uh, you're blue. Yep. Yeah. Which, I don't know if that's not... Sometimes I, I don't know if that's not a better thing or not. I mean, that... If you're talking uniform, maybe you should all be roughly in the same color scheme, but uh, the red really popped later on. Yeah. So. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that in the red. Yeah, so the, the theme is roughly the same. Um, it, it seemed to be a little bit shorter. There was no voiceover like you got with Kirk. There's no, you know... Mm-hmm. Right. The, what you're used to. Um, it's still the, you know, insane... Ooh. Exactly. Which happened a couple times. Yes, it did. Uh, we were going to note that, too. Uh, yeah. yeah, the very awkward uh, warp scene um, <laughs> where everybody's just staring at each other. Well, uh, I mean, and they did it again near the end of the episode, yeah. too. Anytime they go to warp speed, they kick on the theme of the yeah. show, which is, <laughs> re- which is really odd practice because, yeah. uh, like I texted you last night, you know, you don't sit there and watch Full House and... DJ is taking off and saying she's going to school. Then the thing kicks back <laughs> off as they as they walk out the door. Like it's just it's really odd to me. They maybe just have it randomly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe so. <laughs> Whatever happened to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, just, just really odd. Yeah, it, it was odd. Uh, they didn't quite. I guess they didn't have the warp effect down. And but you know, I'll, I'll note that if you're going to watch this on Netflix, which is primarily where it's, where it's available. They they did put up the remastered version yeah. of of these, which they did about five ten years ago of the original series. They look pretty so, good for yeah. 65. I mean, the original space models are you know as you would expect from the sixties. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, kind of loosey goosey, kind of sure. rubbery. They're obviously, yeah, they're obviously a toy on wires, yeah. but great for whatever. the time, of course. Yeah. Um, and you know, I know some people have misgivings about uh, about the remasters. I, I personally, 
I think they did a pretty good job of making a blending the two, like yeah. respecting the original, but blend, making the models look a little more detailed. I, they, I th- they didn't George Lucas out and add all kinds of digital <laughs> yeah. monsters or no. something. Yeah. No. yeah, exactly. They they didn't put in a digital Jabba or a, right. you know, or something like that, or a butthole monster like in the original J.J. <laughs> Abrams Star Trek. Or right, something. exactly. That yeah. would have been awesome though if they had done that. <laughs> Just a random butthole monster in the in the distance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have been that would have been great. Uh, the only. Consistent character between the two pilots is is Spock, of course, right. uh-huh. because um, number one would become Nurse Chapel uh, in the reboot. Uh, so the captain is Captain Pike. The first officer is number one, who doesn't get a name, and uh, Spock is a scientist. I guess, yeah. They don't guess, really. He's they not very yeah. clearly defined. He's, I guess, he's a lieutenant or something, but they don't really. You, you don't know. He's, he's just Mister Spock. He's still Mister Spock. Still Mister yeah. Spock. And you don't even know that until partway into the episode. Yeah, you know, it's just hey. hey uh, I, Captain, it's Mr. Spock here. Oh, 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 good. That's good. Oh, good. You finally have a name. Oh, thanks. Oh, we gave you a name. You're an alien. You shouldn't have a name. You should be number two. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Excited, Mr. Spock. Yes, excited, Mr. Spock. And he has the first lines of the show, too. True. What does it say? Like, the circuit's overloaded, Captain, or something something like like that. that. Which is very science-y. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anything to do with circuits, yes. (laughs) And yeah, um, yeah, so they they had the space turtlenecks in here, which, very spare. And then they also tend to favor uh, mid-century modern being, you know, 1950s, 1960s, where, as you see, when, when Ky- uh, Pike runs to his room like a sad teenager, um, there's there's Whoa. people <laughs> people wearing, uh, like, beach apparel. Right. Like, yeah. Mid-60s beach apparel, just strolling down the, strolling down the yeah, deck. Yeah, I noticed that. That was really That odd. was really strange. Yeah. Well, you know, they're... They were, they were they were they were on vacation. They're, maybe they're headed headed to the uh, twenty two fifty four holiday. So they were doing the mashed potato down the hallway, or something. <laughs> doing the twist down there. <laughs> yeah, and as we said, there's only two divisions here. And the first thing I'll note, the other, I mean, the first thing we've noted a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, the first really annoying thing in the pilot is the red alert klaxon. Oh, good lord! Yes, it is straight up nightmare fuel. Now I'm going to play this, and it was really different from the uh, the red alert that would appear later in the series. So just imagine that playing for a good three minutes. Oh, and that's like the opening scene of this pilot (laughs) is that red alert klaxon going off for three solid minutes. With the slightly vibrating, uh, tiny big screen that everybody's looking at the radio wave disruption or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So the whole thing starts off with there's some sort of invisible blob yeah. that's distorting the view screen, uh-huh. and uh, I guess it's interfering with the, the Enterprise in some fashion, right? Uh, Apparently, yeah. As they're headed to Vega after some battle where a space <laughs> Mongolian killed several crew members, right? Um, yeah. So they say uh, Jose says. It's old style radio waves, right? Old style, yeah. So old style can like obliterate your ship almost. All <laughs> <laughs> we gotta do is get true nineteen sixties technology. To yeah, destroy I mean, you in twenty twenty five. Was everybody's faces in, in in literally melted off in the forties and fifties with the fireside chats when right. they're just sitting by the fire and they're getting obliter- <laughs> obliterated by radio waves coming out of the as set? Soon as FDR's address came over the radio. <laughs> Just faces, dead. faces are melting Indiana Jones style. Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense. I no, totally agree. No. It makes no sense. Um, and especially, yeah, like, uh, I guess they were allegedly coming. So they're on the way to Vega to, right. for a hospital, I guess, to take mm-hmm. some members. I guess they don't have quite the medical bay that they need on the ship. So they're taking these members to Vega to get replacement crew members also. And they get disrupted by these radio waves. They're allegedly coming from a down ship on this planet called Talos. Right. And... 
Pike, uh, I guess Spock asks if they're going to investigate, and Pike, I mean, <laughs> as, it, really, as yeah. is uncharacteristic of every other Starfleet captain that would ever appear on screen, yeah. says, we'll eh, nah, yeah. distress they, signal, we're going to Vega, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can take care of themselves. Yeah. Right. And this is where, this is the first inclination that you, you start to understand that Pike is the worst. Right, yeah. He's not very good. He's terrible. Because this is the point when he runs to his cabin, as I said, like a, he like throws himself on the bed <laughs> like a... Like a like an angry teen, yeah. <laughs> like an angry teen, and he calls Boyce, who is the doctor. Yeah, he calls him on his little communicator. And the, the other thing is, was Boyce just like hiding behind a pylon around the other side of the door? Because he just pops right in. Yeah, he was there pretty quick. I mean, there well, is no he, transit time. He did have his medical bag, <laughs> right? AKA bar. <laughs> the bar. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> he got a flask and a couple of beakers for glasses. <laughs> Because um, they are one and the same, as we were explained. That's true. Actually, yeah. that's actually probably the only point <laughs> of the episode I actually liked was that little discussion between um, Boyce and Pike. Yeah. Um, and I'll play that real quick, just because this is my only favorite dialogue of the entire episode. We used to take some food and ride out all day. Oh, that sounds exciting. You ride out with a picnic lunch every day. I said that's one place I might go. All right. Business on regulars or in the Orion colony. You, an Orion trader, dealing in green animal women slaves? The point is that this isn't the only life available. It's a whole galaxy of things to choose from. Not for you. A man either lives life as it happens to him, meets it head on and licks it, or he turns his back on it and starts to wither away. Now you're beginning to talk like a doctor, bartender. Take your choice. We both get the same two kinds of customers, the living and the dying. I actually really like that dialogue, <laughs> but it's probably the only thing I enjoyed about this episode. <laughs> well, I, I, think what, I think what happens at, the, at this point is that in, in traditional, in a, in a typical Star Trek episode, this, would be, this is that moment that Roddenberry would input, you know, here's, here's the moral ambiguity. Here are the issues that we need to try and come across. Here are things that we need to try and fix. Right. You know, what, what, is the, what is the larger moral aspect of it? Because that, that's, that's a lot of what Roddenberry did, right? Yeah. And sure. so in the pilot, you're, you see a glimpse of that, but then obviously it's not fully fleshed out, you know, which, yeah. which doesn't even really start happening until a good chunk into the first season of the original series anyways. But still, to a degree, you have people that are like, uh, you, you have the, these instances come out to where he's like, well, I'm just going to quit. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to quit. That's it. And which is neat because it at least brings in a different perspective of this captain who is already just thrown in the towel and he's all, mm-hmm. already just ready to go, which fortunately he does throw in the towel. At the <laughs> <end of> this. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Um, so, oh, yeah. so it's interesting. So it, it's interesting because Roddenberry is already going, okay, what are some, what are some things that I could, that I could poke at, yeah. which I think is great. But sure. then, you know, it's, it, I said, it's not, it's not fleshed out at, at all. Yeah. He's Pike is for better, for worse, often worse, the opposite of Kirk, you know, like Pike is questioning his own leadership. Um, yeah. He's questioning whether he wants to do this anymore after he lost several crew members. You know, it's really almost the complete opposite until we get to latter day TNG, Deep Space Nine, and even Voyager in some cases. I mean, you don't you get most of you get uh, to me, the Roddenberry characters often come across as. Um, often unrealistically heroic. And I think that's what starts to come through with the original series with Kirk, because Kirk is, I mean, 
almost perfect from I mean yeah. throughout until you get to the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, almost laughably so, but yeah, it's in a was, fun way. I was gonna say less less like less that way once you get to the films, but yeah. And, and so I thought it was kind of cool that they they were exposing this very flawed character from the beginning, which was very yeah. uncharacteristic of shows at the time. Yeah, sure. For bold male leads, you know. Yes, um, right. So I, I thought that was kind of cool to see, and I, I I like that little discussion between the two of them. I mean, that sets up the entire that bit of exposition is the entire plot or or the yeah. the question that the entire episode revolves around. Yeah, true. Um, so well, well, I mean, it's that it it's it's that question that's in the back of your mind is mm-hmm. is this going to be the thing that's going to break Pike? Right? Is this going to be the last thing that he does before he's just like forget it? I'm I'm yeah. out. You know? yeah, right? Which and then he goes through this entire ordeal, which we're about to talk about. Yeah. And and you go, yeah, that no, I don't. That that's that is why he left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I will note one other thing. It, it given through uh, the decor of Star Trek. So this is the first time, amongst other things, we get the extremely uncomfortable looking bed. That yeah. appears in every Star Trek series from here on out. <laughs> if you watch TNG, DS9, they all they go when they show them in bed. They are they're just like thin pads on top they look of like a prison slab. Beds, basically. Yeah, they look like prison beds. It's like you would think space technology would afford something a little <laughs> more comfortable than just a thin IKEA pad yeah, or a dog bed on top of a rock slab. Right, but, but that's the thing is that you don't know what space technology. That's true. Is. That, 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 Maybe that, that thin thing is more comfortable than anything you've ever laid on. That's true. You yeah. know, and that like two millimeter thick uh, sheet that they always comfort. <laughs> Yeah. They always have on them is probably really toasty. We have no idea. And exactly. the absurdly tiny uh, throw pillows that they always use too. <laughs> Nobody ever uses a normal sized pillow in Star yeah. Trek. It's always a tiny triangle pillow or that something. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, true. Yeah. So then Spock uh, he intercepts a dot matrix burnout and basically <laughs> yeah. tells him the the dot matrix uh, intercept tells him that there are there are survivors on Talos. Right. So they end up. Uh, I guess Pike makes an absurd or a, a left turn to decide to go pick up these people. Yeah. Um, rather talk after you know being half in the bag with the doctor, uh, he <laughs> yeah. had a few martinis. Let's, let's go get those. Let's, let's go pick up the survivors. <laughs> and uh, this is where your awkward warp scene comes in. Yeah. Um, so I, if you want me to play this, I will. Let's see. Instead of getting your normal warp sound, we get just awkward dialogue. Address intercraft. System open. This is the captain. Our destination is the Talos Star Group. Our time warp. Factor 7. Course computed and on the screen. All decks have acknowledged, sir. Engage. That's where we get them just staring at each other awkwardly on screen while that yeah. happens. Um, yeah, yeah, there is no cutscene. It was just let's let there they go. Yeah. And well, it's not only that, but it's like it's intermittent. Fla- like, God help you if you had epilepsy back in the day, because the intermittent flashing between Pike's blue eyes and yeah. the Starfield just in and out. In yeah, it's really weird. In and yeah. out as that song plays. Well, back in the day, you wouldn't got the blue eyes, right? And when it went black and white originally. Um, no, it, it, they had color TV back then. Oh, was that color? Just the okay. original print was. It was a. Oh, okay. So the original print for this that never got seen was it was only seen for reference for 
the NBC executives. Ah, okay. And so they later went back and you know colorized it as they should have. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, but yes, that was yeah, that was really awkward. And then it's funny too. It, it was like, less awkward had they just cut to somebody on the bridge actually singing the theme. Yeah, <laughs> number one that doing way more enjoyable. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's number two's job is to sing the theme. <laughs> Every time they go to warp, <laughs> just pops up. That's, that's actually what Lieutenant Uhura was doing. <laughs> she was off screen to the left, singing. She was Inzan Lieutenant or Inzan Uhura at that point. Yeah. So, uh, and the awkward thing is, they like the entire time Pike is just standing over Jose Tyler, mm-hmm. and like it appears at one point that Jose Tyler like tells him that he can count he can count to seven on his fingers because he like holds up seven fingers yeah and like pike's looking at him and telling him, like yes good boy you know how to count now you know space math that is seven yes yes you know space space math yeah. space math. War factor seven right <laughs> seven right oh crap it went to nine that's the other thing the, the inconsistent uh warp factors oh, yeah, throughout sure. star trek is like oh, yeah, i think yeah. later in st- the original series they go to like warp factor 13 yeah, but then yeah. in tng they can only go to nine nine and they, they, they pushed it at one point and went to 10 right like, yeah. or 9.99 <gasps> oh my god the ship almost flew apart but they're going yeah. to 13 in the original series right yeah, yeah so highly highly uh inconsistent yeah so and this is where right around this time is another instance of where you find out that Pike is terrible because Human Colt. I don't exactly know what a human does, yeah. but Human Colt, who is um, one of the only women apparently allowed on the bridge, bring reports. Humans uh, bring reports. Okay, right. they bring reports, reports and he just flat out yells at her for oh. no reason. Uh, so let me play this. This is when she first shows up on the screen. Human. Yes, sir. I thought I told you that when I'm on the bridge, I expect you wanted the reports by 0500. It's 0500 now, sir. She does a good job, all right. It's just that I can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. No offense, Lieutenant. You're different, of course. You're different. You're different. Yeah. Yeah. Special. (laughs) It's almost like I don't see you because you're a woman and you don't deserve a name. You don't get a name. And this is the interesting... But he said, no offense. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, he prefaced it. (laughs) Um, yeah, so this is the first inclination, A, that we get that uh, old number one is madly in love with the captain, who because, of course, women love assholes. Mm-hmm. All women love assholes, right? So this is why she's in love with him. <laughs> right. Apparently. And because he's the captain, because she has this like real hangdog expression after he says well, that. Well, yeah. And we get that fleshed out later in the episode. Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> and then this is the first instance, the first of two instances of where Pike is a complete asshole to human, uh, human cult. Yeah. Uh, he chews her new, and then he, he does it later on. He does the same thing. Uh, and yeah, I'm not really exactly sure logically why. I don't he, get he, it. He was even mad at and, that one. And then the whole misogynistic moment of, I just can't use to women on the bridge. Right. Well, yeah, there's yeah. that too. Yeah. I guess, I guess Roddenberry wasn't that optimistic about the future about as far as women being equal. I know he's trying to get there. I try, I realize he's trying to get there in the sixties, right. but I guess he just wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. That he- well, and, and that's what's, and that's, what's funny is that you go back, you listen to any interview, any recording, any whatever about it. And he, every single time it's like, well, you know, I, you know, I had a, had a had an international crew of all these people because, well, you know, had this 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 wonderful optimistic view of the future. But in the pilot, it's just like there are no women yeah. anywhere. There mm-hmm. are only objects, except for except for number one, because you know she's 
She's, she's different. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. You're no different. offense. You're no, different. No offense. <laughs> the, the creator of the show is in love with you, so he's gonna, he's gonna write you a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's and, the difference. And and, and side note, uh, there was a lot of just people standing. Yeah. Just, yeah. just well, standing on the bridge with absolutely nothing to do. Yeah. Right? What what sort of like are the, are you security? Are you just you're just you're standing? <laughs> you're just standing there. At one point, one of the guys in blue that just hangs out by the by the uh, doors in the lift to the lift in the back. Yeah. He seems surprised that people walk onto the bridge. At one <laughs> I point. saw that. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, what? Oh, oh okay. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm just standing here doing nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of people with no jobs. In that, that is <laughs> that is very true. Yes. And a lot of awkward pauses too. Like in the, even in that. Clip. I mean, there was a good twenty seconds of just yeah, just computer Pike, noise, yeah. computer noise, and Pike staring in the distance as he's trying to figure out why there, there <laughs> why are, there's women on the bridge. Yeah, why are there uh, females on the bridge? Looking um, around, making sure there aren't any more. Yeah. On the Wait, are there more here? <laughs> not, 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 oh, no. <laughs> but you're different. Yeah. Then we finally get to Talos after the awkward warp scene, and we zoom into the construction paper planet. And um, but but I will say though there were a lot of things. I, I think one of my favorite things about rewatching this pilot was seeing all of the Star Trek concepts that were initially in. Yeah, right. Right. So have have the the, the planet zoom in, and you're like, you you know it's. You know it's made of construction paper, yeah, right? Sure. But you look sure. at it and just kind of go, "Okay, that's cool. That, that's fun." You know, and just all those moments are the, the little bits. It's like, oh, all the background noise, right? Yeah. So you have all the all the tweets and the bits and the bobs of oh, yeah. of the computer going. You're like, oh, that's kind of cool. That was there yeah. from from the very beginning. You know, there's a lot of great ideas in the pilot. Oh, and I and I, and I love that a lot of that stuff carried on. Misogyny, get out. <laughs> oh yeah, but the rest of it was good. No, the misogyny did not continue past this pilot at all. Kirk was never a misogynist. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's having sex with every woman on screen every episode. <laughs> it was so, an on screen. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, Pike, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a different series. Uh, Pike ordered up a, a landing party, as they called it, um, at that time, yeah. uh, to the surface of what appeared to be a paper mache planet. Right. Um, it, it really did. It, yeah. it was a mix of paper mache and trash bags that they had painted, oh, put over. Yeah. Styrofoam. I don't know if they had styrofoam in the sixties, but with, um, with some slightly dirty scientists that I don't know how long they were supposed to have been there, but they actually seemed in fairly good shape. Yeah, yeah. And we should note here uh, another fashion change is that everybody donned these smart blue glitter blazers yeah. Uh, yeah. for the landing party. Yeah, I like liked that though. Yeah, I, I was yeah. like, oh look, uniforms. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny because I was watching, and I was thinking, you know, that really doesn't make sense. Like you're walking around in your in your work uniform, and you beam down wearing the exact same work uniform. Yeah. Right. Just like, why don't you just cover up with something? <laughs> you know, I mean, it might there might Good be a, point. there might be a crisp breeze on the planet. You might need something to, <laughs> that's true. to warm your keep your insides well, warm. Well, and, and remember, number one wasn't there either. That's true, right? Because she was. What, what do you say? It was like you're the most. We are our most senior officer yeah. on, on, the, on the bridge. We need the most senior officer right, on the bridge. Yeah. We can't let a woman on the planet. They don't allow women on the planet. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's, prob- it's probably, and, you know, we, we find out on the plot line, it's probably good that she wasn't there. She yeah. would have been a distraction. That's true. Absolutely, yeah. That's true. We can only have one woman on the planet at a time. <laughs> None in the landing party. Women are not qualified to leave a ship. <laughs> <laughs> or, or to really put too many good cohesive thoughts together either. <laughs> yeah, you're barely, find out. barely allowed to utter a sentence at that point. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, and then again, was <laughs> you're allowed to assess the specimen type of the man. <laughs> yeah, but that's about it. That's about it. <laughs> uh, keeping with Star Trek tradition again, Star Trek loves the rocky, barren landscape. Oh yeah, uh, this yeah. comes they do up love that. time and time again. Not it's only, easy. It's yeah, easy. It's, it's easy to do, especially around California because they can go out to the desert and oh, yeah. they can film. Um, I mean, it comes up in Next Generation DS9. They they spent so much, like half the episodes of DS9 are stuck in caves. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 
in Voyager, you know, went a little bit outside that. They tried to show other planets, but they loved the Rocky Barren landscape. And the beginning of Discovery is a Rocky Barren landscape. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when Kirk dies the in the movie, spoiler alert, it's a Rocky <laughs> Barren landscape. <laughs> I was going to say the rest of the plot line. Is so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I take um, that back a little bit. A little bit. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, everything looks like it was made by a fourth grade art class. But I'm oh, sure yeah, well, was, yeah. I'm sure it was astounding for the time. It was advanced for 65. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it was. It was because yeah. it was it was very different. It, yeah. it felt very different than anything. I mean, people could look at it, feel some familiarity to it, but then go, oh, the sky's green. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I get it. I mean, yeah. I thought it was really cool when they um, when they have one of the illusions later and they go back to uh, Rigel. Is that where the space Mongolian attacked them and killed his... Oh yeah, yeah, right. Roger. Oh, yeah. yeah, I actually thought that the the fortress in that scene, the wherever they were getting attacked by Space Mongolian, mm-hmm. one Space Mongolian, um, <laughs> the painting in the background, I thought that was really cool. I thought that actually looked really good. It was like it appeared to be some sort of city and yeah. like a purple sky, and the mm-hmm. fortress looked really good. I Did thought. anybody else notice in that Space Mongolian attack scene though how easily Pike threw a sword through the guy's back, <laughs> like from yeah. a far distance yeah <laughs> through a hide too just right in it was no right, problem right well on top of that did you notice that uh the, his teeth were almost coming out the entire scene yeah i did notice like that, they yeah. kept like you could see his mouth or read those space mongo and kept readjusting his fake teeth <laughs> right. in his mouth to keep him in so they wouldn't fall out yeah uh, that was pretty funny <laughs> so then they encounter the hobo survivors and uh it turns out they're not real but they they introduced yeah. them first as themselves from the american continent institute right which, why aren't they, if they were real, why aren't they on the American continent, like, exploring rivers or some shit? Right. Um, yeah, it makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, where do they go? Yeah. yeah. But it turns out they're not real. The only one who's real is is Space Babe Vina. Right. Um, she's the only one. And we don't even know if she's real most of the time. Mm, right. Mm. Which, is, which is typical. Here's your, here's your for one of your early Star Trek tropes is Mysterious Woman on yeah. the planet. Right. Yes. Especially in original series, right? I mean, Next Generation on, it doesn't happen as often, but original right. series definitely, I would say, what, 30%, 40% of those episodes yeah. are Mysterious Woman. Mysterious <laughs> Woman on a planet. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and the other trope that, at least from Roddenberry, is women in bondage of some sort, whether it's sex slavery, yeah. some sort of prostitute like in Mud Women. Um, you know, always women that are, are bound sexual objects. Yes. Uh, exactly. Either physically or, or emotionally. It's a good thing Lucas didn't do that. No, he never did that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we basically find out the, we basically lose the, the old guys very quickly. Yeah, when we find yeah. out their illusions. Like two seconds. Yeah. And our real enemies of the show are the Telosians who are these, uh, tumescent, uh, headed yeah. aliens. <laughs> Looks like a giant. Engorged. Ass, basically. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say a, a scrotum perhaps. Yeah. A scrotum. Yeah, it could be uh, a nice They're very scrotal in, in appearance. And um, it pulsates, too, which just adds that's to true. it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, they have these giant heads and these withered bodies. And the interesting thing was that Roddenberry wanted them to look androgynous. Um, you know, much like all of us libtards, we want to just get down to the single smock and right, have uniform exactly. androgynous appearance. So we, right. we don't have a lot of Me Too moments anymore. Uh, but the, the actors that played the televisions were women and they dubbed over the voices with men so they would be more androgynous no oh, of course gave them the yeah. very nondescript robes yeah and all that and then gave them the scrotal heads so. <laughs> right maybe yeah. one day we can all evolve to have scrotal uh, that's heads. my hope is yeah. uh by 2020 when we we're next start <laughs> elect our next democratic president we'll all look like that <laughs> right around the corner exactly. we'll all be issued the helmets a libtard can dream <laughs> and we find out that we first see these Talosians as they're watching them. It reminded me of... Did you guys watch uh, William Baldwin, Baldwin in the 90s movie Sliver, where he's like secretly watching everybody? I do remember that, yes. it, Yeah, it reminded me of uh, the Billy Baldwin in that movie for some reason. That's where my mind first went, was Sliver. 
yeah, for some reason. Because <laughs> that's always top of mind. <laughs> my brain is a useless... It, it, it's, it's a it's useless... A reference for the kids listening. Yeah, Sliver it, from 1993. <laughs> my brain looks a lot like the Telosians, yeah. except that I, it's it's a repository of useless information in movies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. You have as much information absorbed, it's just all stupid. It's just, yeah, it's just yeah. completely useless, right. yes. Like, I will remember the cop rock songs for the rest of my exactly, life now, yeah. because of that stupid, stupid... And it will retain in my brain until yeah. I die. And I'll constantly... Be singing to my grave. She chose and, me, and we'll have it on a video and loop on your headstone. Oh yeah, of Just, course, yeah. <laughs> as is appropriate. <laughs> so then they capture Pike. Basically, Vina lures Pike to uh, up a cliff, and she's going to find some impenetrable doors. Yeah, well, not even or that. Were but, they? Yeah, well, not it's no, because she disappears at that point, right? At the top of the cliff, and the Talosians come out and capture him? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what her... She let, she let him up there, though, right? And then they came out and grabbed yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I guess she was going to try to bed him at that point or something, but the Talosians captured him, and yeah. they basically put him in a cage, hence the title <gasps> of the episode. How about and, that? And that whole thing down there is supposed to be a space zoo. Space zoo, yeah. Um, hence the name later, the Menagerie. Right. Uh, so originally, it was called the cage, then it became the Menagerie, and then when they were filming the original series with Kirk, they decided to do the Menagerie flashback episode, so this one got renamed The Cage. Right. But anyways, it's supposed to be a spacesuit down there, but we only see one other well, Yeah, I was say one other creature. thing, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah, every zoo, mean. Every, mean. Every zoo right. has to start somewhere, right? So yeah, start with one animal. Maybe, maybe Pike was number two. I <laughs> yeah, I guess he was number two. Uh, um, well, number three. Uh, number yeah, three, yeah. We already have number, yeah. number one. <laughs> um, they, and they... they Basically, just they line up in front of him and taunt him with their telepathic tumescent brains about, oh, he, like he's, I can talk to you without moving my mouth. Yes, and he's going to do this and that. And he's going to throw himself against the glass. Watch this, yeah. and then they submerge him in these illusions, which is where we get the flashback to Rigel Seven, where his mm-hmm. apparently most of his crew is destroyed by one space Mongolian, right? And uh, with, with teeth that didn't stay in, yeah, with teeth that in, yeah. And why didn't if Pike could throw swords that easy? Why didn't he do that earlier? <laughs> oh, yeah, should have done that immediately. <laughs> yeah. With his space karate, apparently that's a, a talent they learned at the right. Starfleet Academy. Yeah, um, yeah. So Vina is so she changes character at this point. She's no longer Vina. She is at first a flashback character of some sort, some sort of uh, Rigel, Rigelian princess, right? And mm-hmm. she, I don't know if you guys noticed because I sat there and rewound it like five times. She has when the Mon- space Mongolian first appears, she has this real gifable moment of her reaction face when about when she's supposed to. It looks like she's winking. Yeah, she like kind of winks it. At Pike and goes like, and then turns <laughs> away and runs. Yeah, I, did I notice, wish I actually did notice yeah, that. I like it felt there, really out of place. Yeah, I rewound it. Like I thought it was a joke at first, and I rewound it. Five, I was like, no, that's in place. That's real. I didn't yeah. just wow. think that. Unfortunately, I don't have a way to gift that. I would love yeah. to gift that to everybody. <laughs> I want to giffy everybody's face with that. <laughs> um, but then she becomes not Rigelian princess. She becomes Vina again, and they have right. this whole meta conversation as Space Mongolian is attacking right. and trying to kill them. Um, the whole what is real meta yeah. discussion. Yeah, it's real meta. Yeah. Real, real matrixy. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we, and then this is where Venus starts to give us all the exposition that the Tolosians were driven underground. Yeah, I guess after they kind of come out of that illusion, maybe that's when she starts to tell them that. Yeah, I think that's when they're back in the space suit. Yeah, yeah, they're so back when that happens. Back in the cage, mm-hmm. and she's in there with him apparently. Right, and she talks, she exposits all this information about they, uh, they focused after a war that destroyed the surface of the planet. They were driven underground. 
Um, they decided to focus their efforts on developing mental powers. Uh, blah blah blah. Their body bodies. Which I would love to do that. Just say I just want to focus on developing yeah. my mental powers, and I'll get a big <laughs> scrotum head full of information. <laughs> does it really work like that? Does it? Yeah, I, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Apparently, that's how it does work. Again, look at my brain with its repository of useless yeah, information. Yeah. It does work. It does Good work. Point. If Good you just point. focus, Dustin. If you just focus on being useless. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So my first question is. How did the Telosians survive? How, how have they not died? Yeah, since there's it, no food, it's a barren planet. They can't fix Just because you live underground yeah. doesn't mean you can automatically eat. Yeah, create food underground. <laughs> Are they, do they subsist entirely on the blue singing plant that they first, the crew first oh. encountered when they got to the planet? <laughs> Speaking that, of that, that humming. One of my favorite ooh, effects in this entire episode was every time their doors opened, the, what are they called again? Telosians? Telosians, yeah. 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 Every time their door opened, it's like this magical wind chime noise, but it would open and shut. <laughs> oh, did you get that? Uh, no, no, oh, okay. I, I didn't get that. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> no, I was gonna, I was gonna play the discussion that. Uh, oh, where was it? Dang it! Uh, that he had with Vina at that point, where she just wanted to get that space boner from him um, when they were back in the zoo, and he's like trying to, you know work through very slowly mentally through this discussion of what's happening. Right. He's very slow. And she's just like, I just want to be all up in them guts. And, but uh, isn't it the fact that he can like slow his brain or <laughs> calm his anger or whatever it is, is then that's when they can't read his mind. There was some, do you remember the parameters that he can put on that? I don't recall exactly what he said there, but yeah, I, I don't fully remember. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> that either. You know what I'm talking about though, right? Where he's like, Oh yeah, no, they can't read it. They can't read it. Well, anyways, yeah. just pretend like I put the audio in here. I'm okay. so dumb. <laughs> they, can't, they, they can't think. <laughs> right. They can't read my mind. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Well, I mean, this is, this is one of those moments that, I mean, once again, you know, this is kind of like traditional Star Trek, especially original series stuff, is that you, there was so much you could get away with. Yeah, you know, and I'm not talking. I'm not just talking about misogyny. I'm talking about just like you don't have to answer any of these questions. Yeah, right. So it's like, oh, there because you see this all throughout the first two seasons, and then whenever you get to the third season of the original series, whenever like they follow no plot lines whatsoever in the third season, really, it's just always like episode like super weird episodes because they knew they were going to get canceled. So the yeah. entire third season of the original series was just a a mishmash of just like whatever yeah. they wanted to do. They yeah. never explained anything in that. Yeah. Oh, why why is the civilization here? No one knows. What about this right here? No one knows. Why are the Telosians right there? No, no yeah. one knows. Yeah. No one cares. Right. You know? And so because does that advance the story? No, it doesn't. What advances the story? Being stuck in a cage with a beautiful, mysterious <laughs> woman. Well, yeah, and that's right. the whole thing is, again, uh, Rodberry's obsession with bound women, sexually bound women, or yeah. Are somewhat frustrated to bound women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it's a recurring theme of his, a recurring yeah. trope of his. And we talk about that kind of stuff, you know, off and on. That sometimes it's hard to apply 2018 standards mm-hmm. to some from 1965. But even on top of that, this one's even over the top for 1965. I think in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I found <laughs> the clip here. It's more misogynistic than pl- I, I think this yeah, is the one. things of its era. Let me play this one real quick. Why are you here? Please, you. Are you real? As real as you wish? Oh, no. No, that's not any answer. I've never met you before. I never even imagined you. Perhaps they made me out of dreams you've forgotten. But and dressed you in the same metal fabric they wear? Well, I have to wear something. Don't I? Or I can wear whatever you wish. Be anything you wish. So they can see how this specimen performs? They want to see how I react, is that it? 
Don't you have a a dream, something you've always wanted very badly? Or do they do more than just watch me? Do they feel with me too? You can have whatever dream you want. I can become anything, any woman you, you've ever imagined. You can have anything you want in the whole universe. Let me please you. Yes, yes, you can please me. You can tell me about them. Is there any way I can keep them from probing my from using my thoughts against me? <laughs> uh, it's a good bait and switch right there. Yeah. Yes, you can please me. By not letting the <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. you can please me by giving me information <laughs> and this is where this is the other thing is like uh, the strong division between Kirk and Pike is Pike is like the opposite of sex yeah he is I mean he he's a good looking guy but he has like no interest and for better or for worse again Kirk you yeah. know bedded down with every woman Kirk, Kirk totally would have gone for it yeah That's Kirk would have he would have dropped everything there to. <laughs> To bone down with Vina right yeah. there, like probably you know, in every vision he probably would have had his way with her. Yeah. I mean, for the, and it's that's the funny thing about Kirk. I mean, it was a little humorous the degree to which that happened, but yeah. um, in this case, like, it, there's no chemistry there. Like right. the two of these yeah. these two actors had no chemistry together. No, not at all. I no, mean, sure. but but and a lot of that comes from just from from Pike and of himself. He's just he's not a very charismatic person. Yeah, he's right. not a charismatic leader. He the way the way that Hunter gave his dialogue it was just very subdued the entire yeah. time anyways and so yeah. you don't get a lot of you don't get a lot of anything from that there's no energy yeah yeah th- there isn't and it's hard because you know we have we have uh, we have kirk who follows this who yeah. is all energy you know mm-hmm. and then yeah, if, you, if you continue going right you get picard who is uh, who is a very different type of energy but it's still all oh, energy yeah. right yeah. And so just throughout all of star trek all the captain characters have had some form of energy mm-hmm. he's just been very like yeah, sure. I guess. <laughs> right. His delivery in that scene reminds me of Airplane um, when they're asking yeah. him about the meals. You know, uh, what do we serve on board? Yes, the chicken the or the fish? Yeah. Yes, had lasagna. Yeah. I mean, that's what like when he's delivering the line about. Yes, you can please me by telling me information. Like he's completely oblivious to what's going on. Yes, right. yes, had the lasagna, the space lasagna. Well, th- there's some good foreshadowing there as well, right? Of, of Vader's just saying, "Well, I mean, I can be whoever you want me to be, yeah. and whatever right. you want me to be," which is just. Awkward in and of itself. I mean, yeah. aside from aside from trying to fulfill some strange male fantasy going mm. on, I mean, just there's obviously foreshadowing of what we find out later. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So during this whole time, uh, number one and the blue shirts are trying to figure out how to rescue the crew, <laughs> and number one, I guess, lets herself go down to the planet because she's the ranking officer allegedly at yeah. this point. So she lets herself on the planet, which violates all international space laws. Absolutely, um, who's going to stop her? That's <laughs> yeah, true. A Talosian? I mean, come on, she's a woman. <laughs> right. They're not going to bother with women. Um, and they bring down a giant space laser uh, from the ship. Yeah. Um, Use all of the ship's energy. Never. Yeah. Ne- that would have been so. That would have solved so many problems in so many Star Trek yeah. episodes. Just going to bring down a phaser. Space, yeah. Bring this thing down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the space cannon. Let's use all of the ship's energy into the space cannon and just. Yeah. The issue. Which apparently they say could take out an entire continent. One laser could take out an entire continent. But it kind of blew open a door. When- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we should note that they in this episode they're using lasers, not right. phasers. Phasers become with the Kark, uh, Kark, right. the Kark. Uh, God, uh, the Kirk pilot would would right. bring in phasers. Um, so, 
maybe you'll get into this in a second though. The whole Pike character mm-hmm. was this just not something that NBC wanted to pick up, so that's why they had to reinvent it with Kirk. Um, no, actually, the the show would have gone forward with Pike actually, but okay. um, Jeffrey Hunter's wife basically convinced him that sci-fi was beneath him and yeah. literally said at one point, sci-fi is ruining my husband's career. Uh, and so he okay. pulled out after that pilot. And gotcha. uh, Roddenberry then found Shatner, who had already done Twilight Zone and a few other, I think, Outer Limits and a couple other sci-fi shows and really yeah. liked him. So, gotcha. And he actually sat down with Shatner and showed him the pilot, which nobody else had seen other than the executives and the crew. And Kirk pointed out, or Kirk, Shatner pointed out <laughs> that there's no humor in the show. Right. He's like, Hunter has no humor, and this is, these are the things I would change. And, and Roddenberry took those to heart right. um, and yeah. made the character we all know and love. Gotcha. Okay. It was 63 very long, painful minutes. Yes. It's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where I start to not really understand. I don't really, I never understood throughout this entire episode, what exactly do the Talosians want? Because I never understood that either, actually. I couldn't decide. Except for, I guess they want people to harvest food or something? But I what is that repair really? their machines. Yeah. But if they're living in illusions constantly... How are they going to repair their stuff? Yeah. Do yeah. they want them to procreate so they can somehow blend into Losian DNA? That's never really clear. Yeah. And, and what does it... I don't know what they're trying to find out of the species they're observing to get them yeah. to actually be yeah. the farmers or It's whatever. never like, really clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Because I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not going to open up a space zoo. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> like, come, yeah. come on, everybody. Come check <laughs> come out the humans. Yeah. Right. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't ever make sense, and I feel like they never really give a good explanation for what these guys want because they say they capture two of every species, a male and a female, right? Right. And why would they do that? I I don't. (laughs) Who knows? That's why I couldn't figure out. Do they want them to procreate, and what does that give the Talosians other than more slaves? I guess. But what do they want the slaves to do? And then it's like an Adam and Eve situation. Oh, there's no explicit references to that in this episode. uh, Or Adam and Eve and Eve. Oh yeah, and Eve. Things get weird. But then you get a shapeshifter. Your son having sex with his mom again, and you got that whole thing. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for here. So then Pike, uh, he tries to very briefly have a hunger strike, um, refuses to eat, or right? Drink oh. whatever space juice they gave him. So then they give him evil vision. They give him evil vision and, and try to melt his skin. Hot, yeah, water or something. I don't know. Yeah, and then so then they give him supposedly the perfect vision of what he wanted at the. He talked about the beginning of the episode retir- retiring to Tucson or. Uh, some desert town, which is now lush, like the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And he's yes. there with uh, not Vina. Um, it's Vina, but not Vina, playing the, his perfect woman. They're having a picnic with his horse. Horse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, it's a Mojave. Mojave. The Mojave yeah. Desert, yes. which is now the Garden of Eden, apparently. Right. Uh-huh. Um, you didn't know? Yeah, I didn't know, apparently. <laughs> she even comments, uh, Pike, don't you remember when supposedly in the past this was all desert? <laughs> Take me. <laughs> And then she's that's, trying. That's a direct reading from the show. <laughs> but, it, but it's not. But, but it's not an exaggeration of the intention. Oh you know, no, I know. Is, I know. Is just the funny part. Of Have it. your way with me next to my chicken tuna. <laughs> Which, by the way, she's trying to feed in these finger sandwiches. Yeah. Like insisting, eat my tiny sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is chicken tuna? <laughs> I don't is know. that a '60s thing? That I don't. I mean, first of all, we all know that. That Why tuna, would that be in your magical vision? To yeah, chicken, chicken tuna sandwiches. It's your mother's recipe, chicken tuna. <laughs> <laughs> now she's heading into a Brooklyn wife. <laughs> but what did I mean? We all know tuna is the chicken of the sea. So is it tuna tuna? I, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Is it just tuna? I, with a I think of, you're getting way too deep into the. Is this a future? It's food? like Travis said in these episodes. They just give you things and they give you no explanation. But maybe this is a Talosian creation. Maybe they captured a chicken oh. and a tuna and bred them together <laughs> to make chicken tuna. I, I don't know. 
These are the things I wonder about. But you write a fan fiction version <laughs> where you continue with oh. the Pike storyline. Chicken tuna. And you, can, and you come back around. Yes. The yeah. discovery of Vina and her chicken tuna. <laughs> right. Lay down and have my finger sandwiches. That's the worst. <laughs> and then we cut to another vision of, again, we're uh, going back to the, the first of the show where Pike lays out his options for retirement about abandoning his duty. And this one is the uh, becoming an Orion trader, which, right. if you're not aware in the universe, the, the Orion Syndicate is a criminal empire, not unlike they're like more exaggerated than even the mafia. Like sometimes they're kind of the mafia. Sometimes they're more of like a complete in an enemy army. It really depends what version you're looking at. Right. Um, the, the frequent reference back in the day was slavers. They were slavers and they had Orion slave girls, which were frequent sexual objects. And you even saw this in the Abrams movie, the first Abrams mm-hmm. movie that yeah. there is an Orion played by what's her name from GI Joe. Rachel something. Anyway, she, they have the green skin. They're supposed, yeah. to be, they have, they're supposed to have these incredible powers of seduction. And in this case, it's Vina dressed up as an Orion. She's painted mm-hmm. green. And she's dancing for everybody. Um, and they're being lecherous, you know, old Starfleet men. Right. Um, there's even one particularly creepy-looking guy that's supposedly in Starfleet. He's wearing a Starfleet uniform making these comments about Vina, or Orion Vina in this right, case. Right, Orion Vina, yeah. Yeah. But, and this is the case, like... Again, the the ideals of of a captain allegedly Captain Pike's supposed to be a good guy. The fact that he would go trade in slavery, yeah, makes yeah. no sense yeah. Yeah. from yeah, Roddenberry's point of view. Yeah, it, it's just it goes against. I, I don't want to say you can't have a flawed character to that degree, but Pike is supposed to be a good guy. Why would right. he ever go be a slaver? That that was really that seems beyond the pale of yeah, of the spectrum of. Being a little bit uh, degenerate, that's, yeah, I mean, you're getting way, way off, way out there. And this is another instance of, of Roddenberry's trope of the, the uh, bound woman, the sexually bound woman, because yep. this isn't the last time that that a Ryan slave girl comes up, and it's not the last time that Roddenberry is kind of obsessed with the sexually bound, because even in Next Generation, was it Angel One where it was the men were the sexually bound objects to the women, the women were the leaders of the culture, and the men were kind of stupid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Angel uh-huh. One. Uh-huh. And I think there were other times, too, where that happened in the first couple of seasons of Star Trek. But, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a frequent Roddenberry it, trope. It, it is. Yeah. He's it obsessed is. with sexual binding, whether yeah. I don't know if that's something in his, you know, <laughs> right. his sexual proclivities or what. But he was obsessed with it, for sure. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think originally he wanted Counselor Troy to have three breasts. Oh, really? And, and Major Barrett was just like, no, nah, that, that's like, no, don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, because because he was like you know she, say, well, say she, that for total recall she wants to be she wants to be foreign you know she needs to be yeah. foreign he's, yeah. and, and she was like I, I think she convinced him like through through the idea of like well I mean you you, you understand how much makeup that's going to yeah. that's going to be yeah but then aside from the fact of like no just don't do that <laughs> yeah beta betazoids betazeds they uh, they need yeah. uh, they need an extra boob so right, that's why exactly. they, so it's probably why she had the super deep V yeah yeah exactly just yeah. to make space for the extra one <laughs> just in case they decided late production change we're adding a boob they're gonna digitally oh. put it in late in special edition that'll be the remastered yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure they would love that yeah um so team blue shirt is back down on the planet again they're trying to get to the planet mm. um after they've gone up after the failed space laser right failed to destroy the door to the cave um and this time the tolosians again they say they can't work a machinery and they can't control them everything's an illusion but somehow they prevent the teleporters on the enterprise from working right so only but they allow only the women to come down Right, and then they short out the uh, space phone and the space lasers, the right. hand, the hand mm-hmm. lasers as they call them, mm-hmm. and so, they were basically to destroy the entire ship. Right? Wasn't that the ultimate goal? That yeah, was they were going to destroy the entire ship? But they can just do illusions. But they, yeah, they can supposedly undo illusions, but they can also control yeah. machinery. So why can't they fix their own machinery to give themselves food? Yeah, plot hole. I'm going back to Travis. They, they, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. 
Um, no explanation. And of course, as we know, but so they they take the they take number one and uh, Yulman Colt, and they put them in the same cage with uh, Pike and Vina. And so, as you know, women are wants to do. Anytime there's a man around, there's more than one woman. They're going to fight. They're right. going to fight over the man because that's natural. It happens. It happens to all of us every day. Yeah. Um, every single day. That's why I'm glad we're all men here. Constant. So I know. We can't allow on the yeah. woman in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone more than one woman. They're right. just going to fight. It's going to be a lot of hair pulling. And she'll just examine our yeah. what what types of specimens we yeah, are. That's all she'll do, and then leave. <laughs> Leave, leave the one she picks into the other room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Vina gets super jealous of number yeah. one, and uh, I don't know, Colt just kind of stands there in the corner and cries. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's like, again, it was like that situation of if it was Kirk, he would bed all three of them in the same cage, <laughs> right. but Pike is just like snoozing in the corner, yeah. saying, What's up? And yeah. he's uh, taking a nap when one of the Talosians tries to go in through the the feeding door uh-huh. to grab the, the lasers, and yeah. Pike takes him hostage. and uh, Right. That's pretty much the end for the Talosians from here on out. But uh, right. And this is the weird point. So this is the other difference around Spock. So they cut back to the ship after everybody's been captured. The men aren't allowed on the planet. And I really hated the characterization of Spock at this point because he is, he looks like he's trembling and sweating. Spock is a, a straight-up pee in the scene because he's about to run from the scene yeah. and flee the leave everybody behind and just say peace out and uh, just good luck with all that. Yeah. I'm out. Um, he's gonna take the ship, and that, I mean, he's literally. He decides to run. He's gonna leave. Like, he's not like we're going for help. He's like, we're we're leaving. Yeah, we're leaving. Right. Yeah. See you guys later. And mm-hmm. and Limoy looks like he's sweating. And I don't from the <laughs> stage lights, or it's just the effect, or right. the makeup, the jaundice, or what? I don't know. The jaundice maybe. Maybe yeah. he was sick. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, this is the point where the Talosians uh, they take control of the ship and they start downloading all the information about U.S. presidents in the 1950s and 1960s. Right. Yeah. Um, and Abe Lincoln, by like, the way, like pictures of the White House. And yeah. Stuff. <laughs> Uh, a couple of satellite pictures, pictures of Abe Lincoln. Uh, yeah. There was also Eisenhower. I think Truman was in there, yeah. and I know Kennedy was in there. Yeah, That's good. Um, yeah, I don't know if Nixon was in there. Some good information for him. Yeah, yeah, a lot of relevant information for twenty two fifty four. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, that's that's really all. <laughs> they couldn't make up. They couldn't like just have somebody draw up some fake. I don't know. They yeah. were all encyclopedia pictures, anyways. So. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, Pike takes his hostage to Lozian, and he discovers that even. The cage itself was an illusion because he had already, when he tried to shoot his space laser earlier at the force field, he already busted through it. Yeah. That was an illusion keeping him in. So, As, he, as did the mega laser from the ship. As did the mega laser, yeah. yes, as we found out. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. continent-destroying laser uh, yeah. didn't somehow didn't destroy the entire side of the mountain. Yeah. It just it destroyed the door. the door, though. Just yeah. the door. Yeah. And he takes him to the surface, and when uh, the Talosians refuse to... Uh, <laughs> because, it, just note, they... They can't grow their own food or operate machinery, but they somehow built this badass door <laughs> yeah. to block anybody out from coming into their lair. Yeah. <laughs> they they're about to die. Yeah. Like I said, maybe they just subsist on the singing plants. And all the cages for the space zoo and everything down yes. there. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, they can make space liquid that'll, you know, provide sustenance for. And weren't there plants and stuff in the zoo, like in the zoo uh, area? I, like, I, I don't know. I don't know either. Again, yeah. I, yeah. I'm so, digging too deep. I, 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 went, I went just a fraction below the surface. <laughs> Sorry about that. Pike says he will stay at the space zoo if they will let number one and Colt go. Yeah. The Talosians refuse, so Pike just like turns a button on his space laser and he's gonna blow everybody up. Yeah, um, he's, he's gonna suicide everybody, which yeah. is a weird one eighty. Which is yeah, not yeah, not we're gonna run. And I'm gonna throw my laser at you, and yeah. so it'll blow up. No, yeah. we're no. just gonna kill everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is also in in before that, it's also really interesting because because he's he's willing to give up. He's willing to give up his life for theirs, yeah. despite the fact that you know they don't deserve to even be on the ship. Yeah, right. 
Exactly. Not on the bridge. They well, can be on the ship. He should have just told them, look, they're bound by international space law. Yeah. Uh, once they go back to the ship, they will be held for trial because they're not allowed on planets. They're only allowed. They're barely allowed on the bridge. Right. They're barely allowed to speak. Right. So they will be bound and uh, court-martialed Ugh. right, <laughs> in front of the fleet so and later hanged. Um, yeah, so he threats to kill everybody. Um, and then the <laughs> Unless they want to walk the halls in Beachwear. <laughs> they could do that. Yes. The weird thing was, and this is where I it kind of... Oh, the weird thing. The, yeah. We've gone so to the this, weird moment now. This is the one weird thing. Well, the transitions were it kind of... It kind of lost me when they the Talosians <laughs> suddenly discover the humans hate ca- captivity at this point, and then they're like, "Ah, oh, all right, see you later." Yeah, yeah. Like, so, oh, I get it. Oh, you don't like being captive? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we, we could we can peer into your mind, and, and we didn't. Re- well, oh. And we witnessed you trying to escape the whole time. Yeah. But now we're like, oh yeah. Oh, you don't like captivity? Oh well, wait, if meant. we'd known this from the beginning, <laughs> we'd have brought you down at all. Yeah. We're sorry. Oh man, God. See, see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna take this space hag back to the cave with us and. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, this is where we, you know, so Colt and uh, number one are sent back to the ship. Yeah. And they, does, Pike tries to transport. He, he's not allowed back to the ship. They decide they're going to keep him anyways. Right. Um, and then they reveal true Venaface, yeah. who apparently 18 years previous when the ship had crashed, the SS Columbia, with all the homeless men, they, she was the only one to survive the wreck. And they didn't have, as she said, a reference of how to rebuild her. So they just kind of rebuilt her how they wanted. I guess they, the way it looked, looked, they like put her butt, her butt on her shoulder. Yeah, um, yeah. she's wearing a giant, you know, silvery space bag. Yeah, um, she's his hunch. She's hunched. Yeah, yeah. And it's on her shoulder, not not her actual back. Right. Yeah. She's exactly. not a hunchback. Yeah, she's hunch a, shoulder, she's yeah. a butt hunch back. Shoulder, yeah, a butt, butt, back. A butt shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> she's got butt shoulder. She's this 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 <laughs> terrible scar going through her face. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's rough. Yeah, it's and, tough. And, yeah. And, I will, I will note that, Dustin, this last night you texted me and gave me the true moral of the story, which was... Oh, that uh, I don't remember what exactly I had to say. Oh, that that um, if, if you're ugly, you're not allowed to be happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Not, because keep in mind... Or, or they, just survive. Yeah. They weren't keeping the illusions for her to be happy. They were using her as, as a lure. Yeah, yeah. Because, and covering her with illusion because she's a horrible evil monster who doesn't deserve happiness. Until... The very end, right? Yeah, until the event, they give her a fake Pike and make her, you know, look good again. Right, and they decide to keep her because they say, um, as Pike later says, "I agree with her reasons to stay." She could have gone with them to give yeah. her, like, use all the space doctors in the world. Go to Vega, maybe yeah. get some plastic surgery, maybe get another shoulder butt on the other side to at least even <laughs> it out a little bit. Yeah, you can fix up some things if He's you like, want or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But she decided to stay behind because she was ugly. Yeah, I guess. And he's like, later, he's like, oh, I agreed with her reasons. <laughs> exactly. To be to be fair, it is the only reality that she had known. That's true. Right. That's so, true. So those were her. Those were her masters. But and it, is she unhappy if she has fake Pike with her and doesn't know any different? Well, yes. If she's oblivious, so yes. But those weren't her reasons. No, no, I, I, I'm not saying. No, 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 no. I'm not saying Pike is is legitimate for what he said. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying ultimately maybe she's okay. <laughs> Yeah. So well, then we get to wrap up the episode, and Pike gets to go back to the ship, and I guess it's 5 a.m. again, uh, yeah. because you know Pike wants his reports at 0500, and he's back on the ship, and this is scene number two, where Pike mm. is a dick <laughs> to Colt, because she's back on the bridge, and so is he, and here he is being an a-hole again. And not just to him, the entire episode ends with him being an a-hole to everyone yes. on yeah. the bridge after all this. Well, I mean, they're just standing around. Yeah, yeah. they're not doing anything. They're literally That's standing true. They around. They are just literally yeah. standing around. Yeoman? Yes, sir. I thought I told you that when I'm on the bridge, I... Oh. oh, yes, the, uh, the reports. Thank you. Sir, I was wondering, just curious, who would have been Eve? Yeoman, you've delivered your report. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Eve, sir? 
Yes, sir. Eve as in Adam? As in all ship's doctors, a dirty old man. What are we running here? A cadet ship number one? Are we ready or not? All decks are ready, sir. But this is this is also classic Roddenberry, right? This is classic Roddenberry with classic Star Trek original series. You have this this entire this entire episode that happens, and in the last thirty to forty five seconds, there's always this. Everybody sitting around on the bridge going, <laughs> "Let's make fun of the captain or make fun of somebody." <laughs> yeah. It happens every single time, yeah, and, it's all, and it's always Bones or somebody that's just like, "Ah, oh, Kirk, whatever," and then that's it. <laughs> Let know, me make right. you a drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not driving. <laughs> but yeah, very, but, but he's but, such an a hole to everybody. Oh, oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we gonna move already or what? <laughs> Screw you, man. We should have just left you down there yeah, in your I, damn cage. Spock, would, Spock wanted to cut and run. Yeah, true. The rest of us stayed here, and we got our space lasers out and trying to rescue you. Right. Like, what a jerk. Well, I mean, they weren't doing jerk. anything. They were That's still true. just standing on the That's edge. true. And one guy was surprised when somebody came to the door. <laughs> back to hyperspeed. Back to the intro theme. <laughs> oh. Uhura came out. She popped her head off yeah, out of the exactly. lift. It's Uhura. Oh. Captain. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah. why does he always forget that he needs reports at 0500? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I wonder how many times a day we only saw twice. Like, yeah. uh, every day she comes in there. What are you doing? Oh, 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 the reports. Yes. Oh, yes, oh, yes, yes, oh, yes, the yes. reports. reports. Let's have some awkward silence. <laughs> and let's go to warp. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, because it sets a precedent very early on. There was already a yeoman yeah. who had yeah. been doing the exact same thing. Right. I mean, did he like... Old yeoman brought him at six, and yeah, exactly. new yeoman's bring them at five. I mean, right, is that exactly. the issue? Is that yeah, what's, what's going on? Or maybe the old yeoman was uh, early with at like oh forty five, oh four forty five, right? Oh four forty five. Where are my reports? Oh, I'm going to run into you. Oh, and that's the other <laughs> thing is that he literally runs into her both times. Yes, or yeah. almost runs into her. It's almost like, knocks her over. What's going on? Yeah, really? I mean, it makes you wonder if they had stayed on. If let's say they continued with the Jeffrey Hunter series, <laughs> yeah. would that have happened every episode? Of they <laughs> oh, almost the bumping each other. The reports every single episode. <laughs> oh. The start that would be the bookend for the series, then him being an a hole at the end of the crew. Well, here's a good question though: Would that original Star Trek have even survived very long if it was all based on this? <laughs> well, that yeah, I mean, like, with I the, don't know the lack of energy. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think it yeah. could have. Yeah. So that was the end of that of the cage. The differences between I think we've noted some of these already, but I wrote some of them down. The difference between the Pike and the Kirk pilots: um, smiling Spock, of course. Yeah. Uh, Spock's eyebrows. Spock is a pussy. Uh, space turtlenecks. Yeah. Spock has bangs. There's only two division uniforms, lasers instead of favors, and Pike is a dick and Kirk is not. Until they, I mean, that's on the set. He's a dick. Shatner's a dick, but Kirk, <laughs> right? In theory, was not a dick, <laughs> right? All right. So, any final thoughts before we get into the uh, the history of the show? Uh, even as someone who's not watched the original series, if if this was actually the if this was the only thing I'd ever seen from the original series, I would have zero interest. If I was someone watching this, yeah. I, I understand why the NBC execs weren't thrilled. By this particular version, or I, yeah. I'm also glad that he decided to bail on the series. I guess, yeah. Uh, whether they picked it up or not, but yeah, it's it's pretty bad, and uh, I don't really have any love for the Pike character. 
Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, the incredible amount of change that occurred from this pilot to the second pilot is what made Star Trek Star Trek, mm-hmm. right? You know, with the with the variety and the multinational aspect of all the characters, you had you had men and women of equal stature, almost almost yeah, equal almost. stature, almost right, um, almost equal stature together on 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 the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you sucked the emotion out of Spock and you dropped it all into Forrest Kelly and yeah. Bones, and there was. There, there were far more unique characters um, with, with, with far better writing. I mean, it's just my whole thing with Star Trek is that Star Trek has always been and should always continue to be an ensemble cast. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what made the original series great. That's what made TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, everything else. This one was just Pike, pretty much. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, and, with and with so, some secondary characters. And, and so this was we found out nothing about Spock. Mm-hmm. We found out only very minimal things about Number One. We found out more about human cults than we did about anybody else. And she was the new one. You yeah. know, I didn't even know that 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 Jose Jose Tyler was yeah, the yeah who's that he's the Chekhov oh, okay yeah. <laughs> he was right yeah he's the the space pilot yeah yeah, yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying he's the that... one that could count to seven. Oh, okay. yeah. oh <laughs> on his fingers good good yeah. but I mean that but, but that's the whole thing though is that there was no ensemble cast yeah. right and I think once again those those were the significant changes that were made for the second pilot that just kind of launched Star Trek into being what Star Trek actually is yeah which was yeah, I, I I agree. I agree completely. I mean, there was just a fundamental lack of energy in this episode, and <laughs> yeah. and not not just like directional energy of the plot moving things forward, but just energy Acting. between actors. Yeah, emotional energy. <laughs> yeah. It was like non-existent. It was like the surface of Talos four. It was that. It was paper mache in garbage bags. <laughs> a little uh, rocky. A little yeah. rocky. <laughs> a little rocky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, after this, we'll get into the history of how this show came to be and how this pilot came to not be. Hi, this is Paul McCartney. Hi, this is Elton John. This is Cindy Lauper. Hello, this is Rod Stewart. And you're tuned into The Pilot Project. What do you think of when I say the following phrases? Goes to camp. Saves Christmas. Rides again. Scared stupid. No, it's not you, you selfish prick. It's the lovable and accident-prone man-child that is Ernest P. Worrell. This is the Importance of Seeing Ernest podcast, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things Ernest, actor Jim Varney's greatest creation. Tune in every month as three friends, and occasionally a guest or two, navigate the silly, playful, and family-friendly waters of Ernest in a not-so-family-friendly way. We have a hell of a time reliving these childhood memories, and we invite you to join us in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app of choice. Know what I mean? So the IMDb rating for this episode is surprisingly high, 7.7 out of 10. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, we can reveal nostalgia. our ratings nostalgia. later, but yeah, nostalgia, yeah. Probably from the people who are even hardcore Trekkies than we are. Like, I consider myself a Trekkie, but I'm not someone like, I don't go to the extent of like, dressing up for a convention or anything. Um, I would like to go to a convention, but I don't think I'd put on a Starfleet uniform, I right. think. I might dress up like an Orion Slave girl, but not a Starfleet uniform. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, sure. Are there, are there Orion Slave men? Slave slave boys? <laughs> Because I would call them girls, of course. <laughs> slave boys. I don't know. I want to be a slave boy with a boi. Yeah. How did well, I mean? How does the Orion slave population populate? <laughs> well, that's true. I guess that's yeah. true. To maintain um, that green, I guess <laughs> right. only the women are slaves, though. 
Yeah, yeah they got to keep the. Ugh. We gotta, like, like, keep that screen. We, that should, skin we should move on. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is spiraling. <laughs> so as, uh, as I noted before, uh, Gene Roddenberry already had a show with Majel Barrett, number one, and Leonard Nimoy that was called The Lieutenant in 1963. But um, MGM, the basically, networks were starting to get away from what they considered true-to-life stories, and The Lieutenant was one of those shows in the early 60s. They considered them not – viewers didn't care, so they canceled The Lieutenant at that mm-hmm. point after two seasons. And Roddenberry, already had, he'd already started on Star Trek as a script back in 1960 – about a wagon train to the stars. It was supposed to be like gun smoke in the stars, mm-hmm. you know, in space or whatever. Sure. Uh, MGM wasn't interested in who was, who had produced the, uh, the Lieutenant. So he moved on to Des- a bunch of studios. He ended up at Desilu, which is the production studio that was owned by Desi Arnaz and Lucy- Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of a small boutique studio at the time. And they didn't have nearly as much money as all these other studios like MGM. No surprise. So they were taking a significant financial risk um, with this show. Mm-hmm. They already had a deal in place with CBS to sell their shows, but... CBS wasn't interested in Star Trek. They actually passed on Star Trek in favor of Lost in Space, the original Lost in Space, which actually would end uh, the same year that this pilot would have come out in 1965. I think it lasted maybe one or two seasons. They finally took it to NBC, and they gave Roddenberry a chance to write three story outlines, and NBC said they might pick one to produce. Um, Of course, they ended up picking The Cage. He actually wrote stories for other episodes that would get produced later, so he wrote um, I'm sorry, that was later on the second pilot. He wrote more stories. So he wrote three stories that picked the cage. Now, this one episode of of uh, Star Trek was the most expensive that's ever been produced, at least for the original series. The oh, usual wow. episode of Star Trek back in the day for se- season one was around 190000 This one cost 630000 to produce, which, you know, I don't know what that is in, in 2018 dollars, but... <laughs> wow! Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. Was that for the pulsating scrotum head? <laughs> yeah, it all went into like, scrotum heads. Like, where, where did that money go? I mean, part of it was Roddenberry had this, like, extravagant vision of yeah. what it should look like, and he, like, was barely willing to compromise on anything. Hmm. So I think that's where most of the money went. And, um, and to be fair, I mean, it's one of those things that you they had to build everything new. Yeah, for the, yeah, first, for the very first time, yeah. right? It's not only that, but like he, I mean, to his credit, he wanted sci-fi to be as realistic as possible. So he went sure. to the Rand Corporation, which is um, a division of Doug, the Douglas Aircraft Company. They're like a oh, uh, like a think tank. It's not Danny Rand's. Corporation. It's not Danny. Rand. Okay, <laughs> it's not Iron Fist Corporation. <laughs> but they're like a think tank for I think the aeronautics industry or yep. something. He got like a physicist from there to come work for him. He got some really you know great production designers and, and stuff. Sure. And so, yeah, it got really expensive really fast. It, it was completed in 1965, but as I said earlier, um, it, of course, it never went to air, as we said. Um, it never actually was seen until November of 1988 in its complete form when it was released on VHS. And this all happened because nobody thought that the original print had survived. All they had were parts of the original episode in black and white 16 millimeter. Hmm. And Roddenberry had. They used it for a reference print. And... Uh, lo and behold, in the early 80s, I think it was in 86 or 87, in a Hollywood laboratory, somebody discovered an unlabeled print of this episode. And so the guy handed it over to Roddenberry's corp- uh, company, mm-hmm. didn't hold it for ransom, which is a surprise. Yeah. And they remastered everything and put it out on VHS first time. And then it, it finally aired in 88 wow. as a second season Star Trek The Next Generation special. So ah. they had all these interviews and Roddenberry introduced it. Patrick Stewart led the entire special. So that's when it finally made its air was in 88. You know, and I bet I, I bet that plays into a lot of the IMDb rating as well. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, you had... Because Star Trek had been off the air for 20 years by that point. Mm-hmm. And so you... Or almost 20 years. And so you had a lot of people that are just... that. That's why Next Generation came back in, right? Is because everybody went, holy crap, we need this Star Trek thing to come back. Yeah. You right. Know, this was so... This was so great. Let's... 
let's do it again, right? Despite- well, that was that was post Wrath of Khan and uh, and well, I mean the motion picture and whatever, but it was post Wrath of Khan, um, <laughs> and it might have been post maybe it was right around the time of Star Trek Three. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the Star Trek have been building in hype, especially since Wrath of Khan. I'm surprised yeah. they even made it to Wrath of Khan personally um, with v- <laughs> after V'ger. Fact. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, and, and it, it it's really cool that it all kind of came together. I will say that you know when they initially del- delivered the pilot, they had a crew cast and crew screening and and for the executives and NBC actually said they were surprised by how real it looked and they said it was the most fantastic thing they had ever seen. Huh. But they also said it's too intellectual and too slow and they wanted more action and adventure. Um, the other complaints they had was they said Spock was satanic. They didn't want him. And they said um, a female first officer was too foreign for audiences yep. and it would turn people off. Yep. So supposedly the studio producers. So that's that's why I kind of bring up the other stuff where we're talking about like 2018 standards versus yeah. 1965. It looks really archaic, but apparently that was advanced for 1965 for TV. Yeah. To even yeah. have a female officer named number well, one. The funny thing like, is ridiculous. NBC producers, Herb Solal, who was frequently linked to Star Trek, he said that. Actually, that would never happen. He said that they just said that Major Barrett, n- number one, wasn't talented enough uh, for okay. the show. And they said the same of the rest of the cast. Yep. Um, and they also said NBC complained that they worried the episode was too erotic, which what happened with the original series with Kirk is boning down with all these women yeah, in the yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pike is the least erotic for yeah. sure of anything that ever happened yeah. in that series. If only they could have envisioned what was less erotic next. than Spock. So yeah, then they, they ordered a second pilot and they told Roddenberry again, you get three stories. We'll pick one. Um, so he produced the story outlines for Omega Glory, which I believe was a season two episode. Mud's Women, which was a later season one episode. Mm-hmm. And Where No Man Has Gone Before, which is the pilot that uh, introduced the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, keep in mind, back in the day, like, they didn't have... Pilots weren't necessarily origin stories like they are now, you know, in 2018 and, and the golden age of television we're in now. We yeah. didn't have a lot of origin stories. It's just kind of like, you just they jump just in. Your action. Man, yeah. Yeah. yeah, You just jump in and here's your characters. I don't see why Roddenberry would have thought Personally, Mud's Women would have been a good pilot for the show. <laughs> I mean, the, the reason they didn't pick it, they said it because they, I, I didn't it hear too about erotic. Meg, yeah, it was too erotic. Yeah, because they <laughs> said it was about a space pimp, so they didn't want to. They didn't want that to be the first episode. Roddenberry's yeah deep dark secret yeah <laughs> um, space prostitution. And then for the new pilot, they replaced almost the entire cast, obviously, and mm-hmm. most of the production staff also were replaced. Which I'm surprised because... The production was fine, actually. I thought the production was fine. I mean, it was very much in line with the rest of the episodes. That same aesthetic was... You know, Roddenberry had such a tight-fisted control on design. It was fairly consistent. I don't know why he fired the production staff. The, yeah. the, the cast, I, I understand, but... True. I mean, even the mm. Robert Butler in the pilot down on Talos, he wanted things to be dirty, and apparently yeah. Roddenberry was very insistent that no, everything had to be bright and shiny, even on this planet huh. where it's even the, destroyed even the dirtiness surface. Of the people yeah. that were yeah, yeah everything had to be bright there, and shiny. They, yeah. Yeah. Kind of surprised, just funny. based on his, I guess, just because uh, Roddenberry liked him that Nimoy made it through because it's not like yeah. he did anything great in the pilot. To, well, he already liked Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, like he, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it's just because he had a previous relationship. Yeah, with him, I guess. he liked him from the lieutenant. I guess they probably had a good relationship. But yeah. so originally the Talosians were going to look like crabs. That was uh, Roddenberry's original version. But then somebody at NBC pointed out that <laughs> it was too similar to 1950s, you know, giant monster movies, yeah, like true. the giant oh. praying mantis or whatever, the giant ant. So they decided they wanted to make them... Roddenberry was one of them to be intellectual, so he decided 
I guess he decided for giant scrotum heads. Right. I was just thinking somebody had, somebody in production might have pointed out it would have cost another three hundred thousand dollars to produce <laughs> giant walking crabs. Yeah, tall. that's true. right. Exactly. Yeah. But yep. whatever. <laughs> so, and during this problem process, apparently Roddenberry around the cage became so protective of his script um, that anytime anybody had a good idea, including other writers. NBC, Desi Lu people, um, he laid claim to them as his idea and said uh, they were his idea the entire mm. time. Roddenberry is pretty notorious. I don't know if he's as bad as Shatner, but he had a pretty big ego on him. Yeah. He was pretty notorious for that. Again, I think Shatner's had more examples of it, of just being an outright, you know, D bag. Yeah. But uh, Roddenberry was pretty bad himself, mm-hmm. which is maybe why they had a good relationship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you think there might be some friction there, but. Yeah, you would think. Uh, Rodberry also said in 88, so on the special that I mentioned earlier, um, he said that originally in the cast, his show, when NBC said the cast had to be cast, AKA sensibly, um, which meant all white. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but he, and he said he refused. Um, again, Desi Liu, uh, Herb Solo pushed back and says that was never the case. And that NBC executives were actually encouraging diversity at that point. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he was an executive who knows, mm-hmm. who knows what the truth is. Right. Being the sixties, I kind of, would think it would probably lend to they want them to be all white but yeah. you know who knows who knows other actors that were considered for roles so originally Roddenberry wanted Lloyd Bridges to play Captain Pike um, and wanted Martin Landau to play Spock uh, interesting but huh. uh, he latched on to oh and he also auditioned DeForest Kelly aka Bones to play Spock also mm-hmm. um, but he landed on Nimoy and uh, went after him and he said that if L- Nimoy had not been available that he would have gone after Martin Landau again again yeah. Martin Landau I know of all actors <laughs> have this schlubby yeah. I don't know uh, and well, the guy who should be singing that song from Cop Rock <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, and then he also considered Yvonne Craig aka Batgirl for Vina as for Star Trek itself, of course, we all know it got canceled um, after three seasons, or if you didn't know that, now you know. Yeah. Um, never had great ratings. Well, it got canceled after two. Yeah. And, and, they, then, and then the the the, the fan writing, mm-hmm. fan petition campaign brought it back for the for third se- season. Right. Which, yeah, they, ended, which is why the third season is just so bonkers. Yeah. Really. They which, had... I think it's also worth noting just how long those seasons were, too. I mean, what are we the, talking, 30 um, episodes a season? No, no. They were... No. I think at most twenty six, maybe okay. in season one yeah, or season yeah. two. I think okay. uh, I think season three was was, was in the. It was shorter, but it was still like near twenty. I think. Okay, um, I could have sworn on Netflix it showed thirty. Maybe they got some special or something I, in this first I mean, season. It's possible they're probably counting also the, you know the the cage also yeah something like that. I, I could be wrong, but um yeah. So as Travis mentioned, they had a letter writing campaign during season two to say that sh- save the show because of some fans of the Trimbles. And uh, they were, it's one of the most successful campaigns ever because they received over one million letters wow. uh, to save the show. And they re-upped an entire show. Yeah, right? because of it. Yeah. Apparently, they were valued for their smarter audience. I mean, never sure. had great ratings, but they, you know, they valued the smart audience. It didn't end up working because they still got canceled after season three. Mm-hmm. Um, Roddenberry, for season three, had been promised that the show would get moved to Mondays at 730, the better spot yeah. um, than it was at. But Laugh-In already held the 8 p.m. slot, and they said... If they tried to move them from the 8 p.m. slot on Mondays, they would take Laugh-In to another network. And Laugh-In was a, a huge success. Oh, yeah, sure. It was a huge success. So NBC only had one time slot left, and that was Fridays at 10 p.m. <laughs> so that's where Star Trek landed in the third season. So Roddenberry, that's very helpful. Roddenberry threatened to leave, and he left. Yeah, um, winning. And when he left, most of the senior writing staff left, so all the scripts started tanking. Um, they <laughs> yeah. started taking scripts from just randos. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and cinema production, which is why you got episodes like Spock's Brain. Um, 
And I think great. I think Ron Barry might have written the last. Or he at least did the story for the very last episode. But well, yeah, it was a it was a complete mess. <laughs> if you've never season seen season three of Star Trek, it I, I don't want to say it's it's worth one watch just to see how bad it is, but. It's interesting. I'll just say that. Yeah. As for the actors that were in the cage, Jeffrey Hunter um, was a pretty, as I mentioned, a pretty big success in Star uh, before Star Trek. He was in The Searchers with John Wayne, Hell to Eternity, played Jesus in King of Kings. But after Star Trek, after his wife convinced him that uh, sci-fi wasn't good for him, and she said, sci-fi ruins my husband's career, um, he left the show. And after that, his career tanked, and he only he had to move to Europe and make spaghetti westerns. Oh, okay. And then in uh, 1969, and keep in mind this was in 65, he had two strokes in 1969, and uh, as he was recovering from the first stroke, he had a second stroke and caused a bad fall, and he died from complications at 42. Wow. What? Yeah. 42 years old. Wow. See That's you later, progress. Jeffrey Hunter. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's a touching <laughs> tribute, Mark. <laughs> well, and, 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 then, and then a side note, I mean, the the original impetus of Star Trek was to be a, was to be a Western in space, and so that's yeah. and so that's why you got people who had played in westerns. Yeah. You know, I mean, Nimoy had played in westerns. Um, sorry, not Nimoy. Well, yeah, yeah, Nimoy. Forrest Kelly. Spock. You know, it's a Forrest Kelly played in westerns. Yeah. William Shatner had done a few already, mm-hmm. and that's why it was so loosey goosey. That's why they added all those fight scenes, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's more fight scenes. That sounds like a good idea. The fight scenes yeah. where uh, Shat or. Kirk leads with both fists at the same time as he's jumping through the air, which is a real effective fight move. <laughs> Winning. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Nimoy, of course, uh, was a part of the second Star Trek pilot, and he pretty much continued with Star Trek for the rest of his life. I mean, he was a prolific photographer, and he did all kinds of bits here and there and you know, many shows, but he was usually some variation of Spock or, yeah, sure. um, you know, or directly was Leonard Nimoy or Spock. Um, although he was in the Transformers movie, the animated movie from 85 where uh, Optimus dies. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't what? seen that before. <laughs> and then he was also the star of a future pilot project contender baffled in 1972, where he played a psychic race car driver. <laughs> That's good. Idea. Yeah. That and, great. um, he died in 2015 of, uh, COPD at mm-hmm. 83 years old. He was in fringe. He was in fringe. He was that's in right. Fringe. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. He was really show. good in fringe. Uh, Majel Barrett, she pretty much just watching, uh, worked in Star Trek for the rest of her life. She was, of course, in the original series Nurse Chapel. That was a regular recall role. She was the computer for TNG onwards until yeah. she died. She was Deanna Troy's mother in TNG. And in see. Oh, yeah, she was in DS9. That's right. Um, she loved Odo. Yeah, and she was in the Star Trek animated series, and she did love Odo. That's right. Um, she was in the 1972 Westworld movie. She starred in that, and she was in another Roddenberry oh. space pilot, Genesis 2. And she died in 2008 of leukemia at 76. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Oliver Vina, she was pretty much just a character actress who was known for playing neurotic roles, so perfect for the cage. Uh, did a ton of TV work in Westerns, and after Star Trek, her career also tanked. <laughs> she went to uh, she was in one season of Peyton Place, uh, which is a famous... Uh, soap opera at the time, primetime soap opera. They killed her off after one season. Uh, apparently, it was a big deal. But uh, she went to Days of Our Lives, was in season one of that. She did Murder, She Wrote, Simon and Simon, and Freddy's Nightmares in the 80s. She didn't stroke out. All right, since the 80s. Uh, it was in the 70s. Yeah. Huh, it says Freddy's Nightmares, but that would have been the 80s. That was the 80s. She died sure. in 1979. Maybe I wrote that down wrong. Maybe it was 1989. Anyways, she died at 58 of lung cancer. Oh, okay. A lot of cancer going around. Yeah. John Hoyt, who played Dr. Boyce, um, he was best known for the movie Spartacus in 1960. Um, oh, that's where I knew him from. It, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> and then after Star Trek, he went on to work in uh, a lot of successful shows. The Virginian, The Wild Wild West, uh, Hogan's Heroes. And then his last big role was as Grandpa Stanley in the 1980 series, Give Me a Break. He also died of lung cancer in 85 in 1991. 
And then. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, at 85. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said in 80, 85. At 85 and, in 1991. Okay. <laughs> and then Peter Dorea, the little-known Jose, uh, did not work much after Star Trek. His last role was in 1972. After that, he became, according to his Wikipedia page, he became the head of a nonprofit called Guiding Hands Recreation, which hosts a getaway called the Teepee Camp, loaded, located in West Kootenay, British Columbia, where people reflect in a general collection of teepees along an idyllic lake. So important. He died in 2013 at 73 of undisclosed causes. Hmm. Uh, lastly, uh, Laurel Goodwin, who played uh, Yeoman Colt, um, she was first known as Elvis's love interest in Girls, Girls, Girls in 1962, and then her career also tanked after <laughs> Star Trek. Uh, she appeared once in Get Smart and Beverly Hillbillies twice, and then was in Mannix once. And then after that, she became a nurse and is the only survivor of the cast of The Cage. Mm. So other shows that debuted in 1965, My Mother the Car, Lost in Space, as I mentioned. Also, uh, yeah, Green Acres, The Wild Wild West, I Dream of Jeannie, Get Smart, Days of Our Lives, and The Dating Game. So a big year for TV yeah. in 1965. So Jeffrey Hunter kind of killed all those careers, basically. Yeah, he basically killed everybody. He's single-handedly responsible for killing everybody. <laughs> uh, is, is kill really the right one? <laughs> well, yeah. Murder. Murder yeah. is more appropriate. <laughs> uh, shows ending in 1965, The Outer Limits, Johnny Quest, and The Price is Right, the first season of The Price I was going to say, right. it's still going <laughs> Although on. Although he got resurrected obviously and <laughs> still continuing with drew carey today yeah. so any uh any final thoughts about the cage before we get out of here transport out <laughs> i'm glad that wasn't the only episode <laughs> yes i love because i love star trek you know star, star trek has been uh, you know we star trek's been a part of my life since i was uh you know six mm-hmm. and yeah. I, and i was the same way right i got i got all the vhs tapes and I and this is whenever there were still um, only the original movies of of one through five. Yeah. And I remember the summer, the summer that I was like seven or eight. I I spent the entire summer on on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. I'd watch I'd watch the first one, <laughs> and on Tuesday morning I'd watch the second one. It went all the way. So Monday through yeah. Friday I'd watch one through five. Yeah. And so I grew up with Star Trek. Well, you must and, have hated Mondays and Fridays. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've had this discussion before. Yeah. I don't mind five. Oh uh, no! Believe no. it or not, um, but, but but still though, it was just it was such a it was such an integral part of it. And so as an adult, going back and watching like the the beginnings of Star Trek, yeah, yeah. Whew, I'm glad things changed. Yeah, you know because yeah, sure. because then it would not have been what it is, and I would not have enjoyed it the way I've enjoyed it. Sure. Yeah. Um, what would, what rating would you give the cage? <laughs> Seven point eight out of ten. <laughs> um, no, out of out of ten, oh, I'd probably um, I'd probably give it a four point five. All right, no joke. Four point five. I, I, yeah. I give it a four point five, and and I think I think four point four five of that four point five is nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair, Dustin. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, I was gonna give a rating similar to that of around four, just because the the most interesting part of this to me was, and Travis mentioned it briefly earlier, is some of the stuff that just was established in that pilot that That's it. kept That's going it. through. Like, even the noises for the doors opening and all the noises in the in the ship and some of the basic communications and stuff like that. I, I, you know, it just had some of that preliminary stuff that was tweaked a little bit, but yeah. uh-huh. you could definitely see a lot of the ideas were already there from the very beginning, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, storyline-wise, pretty bad. Uh, I mean, the question of living in a virtual reality, if that's, is that that bad for someone? I don't know. That's a question. Is it that mm-hmm. great? Yeah, not really. But it's, you know, it, again, that's forming, like you said, it probably, as someone who hasn't watched the whole original series, you say as they go along, they have a few of those ideas that aren't great, but then that question and answer gets better as the thing as, as the show goes on. Yeah. yeah. Again, you can see that 
appearing in this, so that's part of the four rating too. But quality wise, I mean, you know, it's just it's it's not that great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Story. Yeah, you can't you you can't you can't rate for for me. I I can't rate the pilot episode based on my love of Star Trek. I have to rate the pilot episode based on what the pilot episode is. Yeah. You know, and it had so much cool stuff, but then it was just hampered by script, (laughs) by acting. You know, I mean, there's so much that's misogyny. I mean, I don't care if it's 1960s and its abilities or not. I just, you know, that's just awkward for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Not saying it's not awkward for you. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So, yeah, we didn't really get into even the... We didn't really resolve the whole morality tale of this episode, which was, you know, Pike's struggle with, do I turn my back on my responsibilities and and go live an idyllic life, or do I be a man? Do I man up, so to speak, and endure the conflicts in front of me? Of course, uh, you know, he turned his back on the Enterprise and said, and see you later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we know what happened. Right. Um, Although he ended up in a... a a, pentagonal wheelchair or whatever the floating floating wheelchair <laughs> right. um dying of some horrible disease so haha uh <laughs> that's definitely one way to look at it yes. <laughs> no i i will say that i i found the the morality uh tale part of it really interesting i thought that for the most part was done pretty well yeah. and you know it's all part of that same era too it was kind of that whole brave new world era yeah. of of books of as far as <sighs> looking at what we're doing to ourselves as a society and breaking yeah. the world. It was Soma, I think was the name of the drug that everybody was addicted yeah. to. Uh-huh. And it was like living a happy life, kind of like right. the illusions in this episode. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Cause I was always into those types of books, um, especially in high school. Yeah. Um, that whole era of love literature, I really enjoyed. And it's still, you know, especially today, as we're getting more into VR, you know, Ready Player One, things like that. It's still kind of that multi-layered tale that is the Matrix trilogy. Yes, the Matrix. And you know, I, you know, I'm addicted to my phone. People live in their phones. Twitter. You know, we live in these sort of, yeah, you know, virtual societies, social networks. So I think it still applies today, which is I think is cool. That's one thing I like about Roddenberry's work is is much of it. The morality episodes, the good episodes, still apply. They they are eternal. I mean, right. the, I mean, because the the issues he identified, whether it's race or equality or, or whatever, I mean, that never that has not gotten much better. I mean, it's gotten better slowly, sure. but it still applies today, which is, is great. Yeah. It's great. As far as the episode goes, I mean, this is d- definitely like down there with Spock's brain um, <laughs> or an episode of the Turnabout Intruder or although maybe that was a little bit better. Some of the worst episodes. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, as a pilot episode goes, it's one of the it's probably the one of the more boring things we've done on the show so far. It was pretty boring uh, for the most part. Pretty dry, yeah. the, and uh, probably the worst acting we've seen on the show. I mean, there was there was. I mean, I would have rather watched sixty minutes of uh, what's his name the, the the fake Jersey guy from Viper, the fake uh, not Al Pacino, I was say Al Pacino. Um, uh, the guy from the car. Oh, the, the fake uh, Joe Pesci. The fake Joe Pesci. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would have rather seen an hour of that guy <laughs> uh, being the captain of the Enterprise. Uh, Cop Rock was actually more entertaining. Cop Rock yes. was more entertaining. Um, yeah. It was just was very dry, yeah. and so I I don't blame NBC for wanting another pilot, and I'm glad they did yeah. because you know for me Star Trek was initially um, that's how I bonded with my dad because my dad lived in Dallas, I lived in Abilene, yeah. and you know that Star Trek was something we when we come on on Thursdays I think it was we'd sit there and watch Star Trek together, Next Generation. Yeah. So that's where my love of Star Trek and I, I you know, uh, Travis and I and, and Billy, who will probably be in our TNG episode down the line. <laughs> right. We all have different opinions about Discovery. You know, I, I've only seen one episode, so yeah. I can't judge it as a piece. I've seen it all. Okay. So far. And, you know, I don't like I, I like one of the one of the J.J. Abrams movies. 
Travis you know, disagrees with me about the first one. That's that's yeah. Yeah, you like more than I do. I like one. Yeah, <laughs> one third more than you do. I've got my problems with Star Trek as a whole, but I still love. I love everything involved. I love the concepts. I even love. There's episodes of Voyager that I love. Um, not my favorite show by any stretch, but I love episodes of that. DS9 is my favorite by far. Just to get that in there. But anyways, sure, sure. to wrap it up finally, uh, I think except for the first one, just to throw this in, since yeah. I'm more of the Star Trek outsider, except for the first movie, there's something that I'm okay with in almost all of them. Like I, I don't hate. I think any there's of them except for the the first one's pretty bad. I think, I think there's great concepts in every yeah. one of the things they attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just not always executed well. Yeah, I, I have uh, favorites, but yeah. yeah. No, I agree. They're not good ideas. Good ideas, but flawed. Yeah. And even Generations, I enjoyed. I mean, I, yeah. most Star Trek yeah. movies I've watched. See, I like. Context, I like Generations. I liked a lot of these. I liked a lot of the movies. Uh, I like Generations. Yeah. yeah, and there's even something about Star Trek Five. There are things I like about Star Trek. 5. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, I just have certain problems with it. Star- Did you just like Six? Oh no, I love Six. Okay, Six, six is awesome. probably six my is, favorite. Six is probably my favorite. Oh, okay, yeah. there yeah. we go. I love Rathacon and Six. And yeah. like when I actually work, you know, when I'm working, I need to concentrate and tune out the world. I put yeah. on Star Trek soundtracks. I just play them on loop yeah. all day. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, th- this episode as it goes, uh, one of the worst things we've done in the show. Um, so many problems with it. And so I yeah. have to give it like a two out of ten. It's like two number ones. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just that bad. Um, <laughs> two number ones. So um, last question. I, I don't think we can really answer. Normally our question is, would you like to see this remade? But we've seen this remade several times. And we've seen yes. many right. reboots of Star Trek. And apparently... Uh, according to rumor there might be another reboot of Star Trek coming another back in the prime universe maybe yeah yeah because it never ends Um, which is good and bad reboots never end well Discovery Discovery is set in the prime universe is it really? Yes. Yeah. Discovery is set in the. Prime I didn't universe. know that. You, you, if you watch the entire first season, I know. you get to the end of it, and you're like, "Well, holy moly! <laughs> Look at that!" All right. I'm not saying it's good or anything necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> well, I need to watch it. It's one of those things I've been putting off. I'm watching Luke Cage season two right now. So, yep. all right. So, Travis, tell us all about Low Player Count and where people can find it and what it's about. And oh, sure, sure. Yeah, uh, Low Player Count is a discussion-based podcast about one and two-player board games. So if you like uh, nerdy stuff like uh, TV shows, you probably like nerdy stuff like board games. Um, and so we don't sit around and review uh, board games. Actually, we sit around and just talk about them and talk about stuff that we enjoy. Uh, it's me and my buddy Donnie. And you can find us at lowplayeraccount.com or all over the Twitterverse uh, and Instagram and any of that mess at lowplayeraccount. Dot com. <laughs> So just look for low player count. Any podcast platform you choose. Well, yes. if you just Google low player count, it'll be one of the first probably. It's a pretty unique name. Yeah. Yes. Unlike the pilot Thank project, you. which I found recently, there's an Andy Daly pilot project, ah, well. which he's a much former famous comedian than we are. So <laughs> we're pseudo famous. We're pseudo. We're yeah. not even pseudo famous. Oh yeah, that's a good point. We're like number one famous. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're not allowed on the bridge. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. We're not allowed on the bridge. If this were Enterprise, we would not be allowed on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be the first red shirts to die <laughs> right. when they finally added red to the color palette. <laughs> Just to kill us off. Yes. All right. We'll catch you guys next time for the very next special episode of The Pilot Project. The Pilot Project is produced by Mark Hudson and Dustin Taylor. We have new episodes every Friday. Email us at pilotprojectpod at gmail.com or find us on social channels as at pilotprojectpod. Links to subscribe to this show for free and links to the TV shows we watch can be found in this episode's show notes or on our website at pilotprojectpod.com. Thank you for tuning into The Pilot Project. I'm loving this show. We hope you enjoyed the show. See you next episode.